I didn't think that I was ever going to play at Michigan State. The pressure of, you know, playing against Michigan, beating your rival, playing against Ohio State for a chance to go to the Rose Bowl. I mean, those those nerves were crazy. All right, it's the Code of the Craftsman created by Ben Cowan, Jay Briggs Jr. Very excited to share with you the conversation that we had with the great Michigan State and NFL quarterback, Connor Cook, Rose Bowl champion and MVP, Big Ten champion and MVP, also a draft pick by the Oakland Raiders in 2016, where he would become the only quarterback in NFL history to make his first start in a playoff game. So without further ado, the story of Connor Cook's playing career and the lessons he learned from playing in the spotlight and intense pressure and also navigating a major life transition out of professional football and into the world of business. So I hope you enjoy. I want to ask you about the first two years of your career. You entered Michigan State as a redshirt freshman. uh, And then by the time you get to your third year, you started to make an impact. But I want to ask you about the start to your Michigan State career i just recount kind of what those years were like yeah absolutely so kind of taking it one step back if you were to tell me when i was in high school that you know i would go on and be a three-year starter at michigan state that i would you know be the all-time winningest quarterback in michigan state history that i would set records for total yards that i would set records for touchdowns i would think that you were crazy you know because i didn't have the best high school career you know my my junior year after I went, you know, nine, th- I threw for nine touchdowns and 14 interceptions. I mean, that's a terrible season. Um, but for whatever reason, Michigan State saw something in me that that they liked and they offered me a scholarship. To this day, it's still a mystery. I don't know how that happened. It wasn't like I was some, you know, five-star, four-star, you know, three-star recruit. You know, I was just a kid who had a scholarship to go to Michigan State. Then I get to Michigan State and Kirk Cousins was a senior when I was a freshman. And just seeing the consistency that he had in practice and seeing him go out there and play on Saturdays, I didn't think that I was ever going to play at Michigan State. You know, I was like, you know, I got a scholarship, you know, I'm on the football team. Obviously, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can and, and we'll see where it goes. I wasn't like one of these kids who, you know, is a five-star recruit and is like, I expect to play as a freshman. You know, I expect to get in there and throw 40 touchdowns my, my freshman year, win the Heisman and win a national championship. I was like, I'd be lucky to play one year. Seeing a guy like Kirk Cousins go go through, I'm like, okay, if I want to play like him, there's a lot of things that need to be done. It sounds like you've almost accepted that this might be, you might end up being a career backup at Michigan State. And if that's true, when did things start to change for you where you started to believe, okay, maybe I can make an impact here? Yeah, so it was my second year. Um, I didn't really get any playing time all season long, and we were we were pretty average. We went six and six and made a bowl game, and then the bowl game that we made uh, was down in Arizona. It was a Buffalo Wild Wings bowl against TCU. But us as an offense, we we couldn't score, and it, I wasn't out there playing. Um, but I, I felt like, hey, you know, if I was out there, I think I could, you know, give this team a better shot of winning, you know, than than the current quarterback who was out there playing. And I met with Coach D'Antonio prior. So after the season ended and we made the bowl game, there's like a three to four week long period that you have before you play in the bowl game. So there was like a three three week long period where we had bowl practices. And I went up to Coach D'Antonio and I was like, hey, you know, I know I'm the backup, but 
you know, all I'm asking for is just give me one opportunity to go out there in the bowl game and play. Give me just one drive and I'll prove it to you in the drive, you know, that I deserve a shot to, to play, that I deserve a shot to be the guy. Um, and I'm going to prove it to you with these bowl practices. So those three weeks of bowl practice, I was, I was competing at the highest level that I could, giving it my all, working the hardest I've ever worked. So I knew that there was, you know, there was a job out there to be had. You know, we were one quarterback away from being an elite team because we had such a good defense and our defense was pretty young at the time. So, um, coach D gave me an opportunity. Coach D'Antonio, by the way, um, gave me an opportunity in the bowl game. He's like, all right, you know, I respect you coming to me with me in my office, you know, requesting this opportunity. You know what? I'll, I'll give you an opportunity in the, in the first half and we'll, we'll see how it goes. So when I got the opportunity, um, Prior to me stepping foot out there, we like we're going three and out like every drive, you know, three and out, almost turn the ball over, almost throwing an interception, not moving the ball at all. And then when I got out there, you know, we, you know, moved the ball. We got a couple first downs. I, you know, completed some passes. I was able to move the chains with my legs and just having an opportunity like that where it's like, oh, this is actually college football. This is, you know, me playing against, you know, guys at the next level above high school, you know, playing on TV, playing for a trophy, you know, a, a bowl game trophy and just making some plays like that. And that, that kind of just gave me the confidence knowing like, Hey, you know what, if I, if I am the guy, if I, you know, get the keys to the car and I can go out there and, and play the whole game, you know, I, I could think I can do this. No doubt. And I think that kind of speaks speaks volumes to your mentality as well, Connor, because, I mean, being a backup can be a challenge, especially mentally. I know Ben and I were previous college golfers and, you know, you kind of just have to grind out and qualify for each tournament. So it's kind of like your spots is never really set in stone. But what would you attribute your your mentality during those like, you know, kind of tough times and then just being able to be the guy? Like, where did that come from? You know, I think it's just you're just born with it. You know, some people have the drive, you know, some people, you know, get burnt out. Some people don't have it mentally. Some people are, you know, more mentally strong than others. Um, you know, I think it was just from within and, you know, being competitive my whole life from, you know, elementary school to middle school to high school, always having that, that confidence in you, knowing that, you know, if you are given an opportunity that you can make the most out of it. Um, I think that's where it came from and just knowing like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to school you know, for free, I'm, I'm on scholarship. I'm on, you know, I have this wonderful opportunity ahead of me. You know, if I get in, you know, I'm playing like major division one college football, you know, I'm doing something that I dreamed about. I'm doing something that I worked so hard to achieve that, you know, if I'm just not playing, I'm not going to give up. If I'm just not the, not the player for one season, if I'm not the quarterback for, Oh, I redshirted. you know, it's like, you see these kids now, you know, who I kind of touched on early on where it's like they, they come in and they expect to play, you know, as a true freshman, they expect to win the Heisman as a freshman. They expect to win a national championship. And when it doesn't happen and they don't play, Oh, where can I transfer to? Where can I go? And then they transfer to somewhere else and then they don't play there. And then they transfer to another place and they don't play there. It's just like, who knows what could happen? You know, someone could get hurt. Boom. You're the starter. Like just ride it out. Like you're at a good program, like Michigan state. I was, I saw how great of a defense we had. I saw how great of a coaching staff we had. And if I didn't play my first year, if I didn't play my second year, I knew there were still three other seasons that I could potentially be the starter for, which eventually happened. 
And I was just patient. And I, you know, was just like, hey, you know, eventually it's going to happen. I'm going to get an opportunity. And when I get an opportunity, I'm going to make the most of it. Yeah. So kind of you really stuck to it and almost had like an, an element of of faith with that. But what I'm curious about is so one year you're your second year, you're a backup. And not long after, you're out there winning bowl games. What was that that rise like? How did you handle that all the all the success and the accolades that even you said you didn't think you would ever have? Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's a great question. It's a great question. So, you know, looking back, I never thought that I would be a three-year player, three-year starter, you know, winning bowl games, setting records as a quarterback in Michigan State. But once you get like the first taste of it, so my first year starting was my redshirt sophomore year. And, you know, you're just, you're so focused on the task at hand. Like I'm not reading articles. I'm not, you know, scrolling through the media and, you know, I'm not, you know, looking up stuff on Google. Like what, what's the media saying about our team? Like you, you have your blinders on, you you don't even really talk to your family about certain things. It's just like one week, one week, you know, at a time onto the next, you know, what am I focused on this week? Winning. That's the number one thing. I'm going to go to class. I'm going to go to practice. I'm going to play on Saturday and I'm going to win and I'm going to go to the next one. I'm going to go focus on the next week. So um, when all this was happening and I was playing, like it was just like, it was just kind of the, the most fun thing in the world because you're playing at such a high level. You're playing against Big Ten teams like Ohio State, like Michigan, teams that you watched growing up in Big Ten country. You're playing on TV you know, things that I never did in high school. And like, when you do stop and think you're like, holy, holy cow, like, this is kind of crazy that I'm doing this stuff. But then when you're in the moment, like, as soon as you think about it like that, then it's like, then you'll slip up where it's just like, you have tunnel vision, you know, you're going, you're going to practice, you're focusing on the install, you're watching tape, you're studying your plays and you're just taking it one week at a time. And, you know, after the season is when you kind of like can stop and regroup and be like, whoa, like that was an insane ride, which is what kind of happened, you know, winning the Rose Bowl. I mean, (laughs) your first year as a starter and you go out there and you win the Rose Bowl, something that hasn't been done in Michigan State for 26 years. Um, So so to answer your question, you kind of stop and look around and like, you know, reflect, smell the roses, like after the job is done, after the the season is complete. That's when you kind of like you know, talk with your friends, talk with your family. But then, you know, as soon as that, that season's over, it's like, okay, let's go win another uh, Big Ten title. On to the next. Yeah, well, I do very well remember you playing against my Buckeyes in that championship game. Did not go well for for the Buckeyes, I remember. And we hadn't lost all year, too. So <laughs> yeah, very well remember that. But um, so you were on top of the world there three years at every Michigan State quarterback record. And then you get drafted to the NFL in the fourth round to the Oakland Raiders. And now after all the success you had, now you're back. Now you're um, almost back where you started in a similar position at Michigan State where you entered the season as the third quarterback. So what was that like after? Okay, so you had all the success that you didn't know you would have at one point, And now you're kind of starting in a similar spot. What, what was that transition like for you? Absolutely. So that that's another great question. And, you know, two totally different feelings because, you know, when I went from high school to college, I was no way, shape, or form ready to play. As a true freshman, I wasn't ready to play as, you know, starting the season as a redshirt freshman. You know, when I, my third year is when I was starting at Michigan State. And even that season, like I was like getting better, like, you know, slowly getting better, like week by week. 
it wasn't really until like my fourth year, which was my second year starting, where I was really just like cutting it loose, super confident in the offense. I could drop back and throw a ball with my eyes closed and know that I could hit this receiver here. Um, so I was in really no rush to play coming from high school to college. I wanted to learn. I didn't really know anything. Remember, I didn't know coverages. I didn't know blitzes. I, you know, protections. It was like, I needed time to really be confident to go out there. So then after you do play for three years and you feel like you have a great understanding of, of the game and your competitiveness is, is heightened even more because you know what you're capable of doing and you've done it at a high level, you know, in, in pressure situations like the Rose Bowl and, and playing in multiple Big Ten championship games. So you, you, you want to keep that going and you want to go right into, you know, the next phase in your career playing. So when I was not playing, it was frustrating. And then when you're not, you know, second string, but your third string, you know, that, that was really tough. It, it was tough. And, you know, you're used to being the guy, you know, you're used to, you know, going out there and, and, and leading the guys, leading the team. You know, there's only one quarterback that plays. So, you know, any, any quarterback who comes from college and, and goes to the NFL, and if they're not the starter, you know, if they're not, you know, the backup for their third string, no one's like, Oh yeah, this is awesome. Like I'm, I'm totally loving life. Like, cause that, that's your career. That's, I mean, if you're a third string quarterback in the NFL, I mean, how long is your career going to be just being the third string? I mean, you see guys now that, yeah, you know, have made, you know, 10 year long careers just being the number three quarterback, like, you know, uh, specifically probably from relationships, but you know, other third string quarterbacks, like when you get labeled the third string, it's like, okay, my career could be, you know, three years. It could be four years. It, you know, what am I going to do? I got to get an opportunity to play sooner than later. And um, yeah, it was tough, but, but then again, it's what's best for the team. You know, how can I help the starter? How can I help the backup? How can I help this offense? Any other guys at receiver, running back? Who can I help learn this offense with and, and help teach them along the way? There was a something you said that I wanted to go back to. You said that by the, the second year you were starting at Michigan State, that I could close my eyes and complete a pass. Um, to an outsider, that's one thing. There are a few things in sports I just do not understand. And that's one of them is how a quarterback can ever complete a pass. I mean, I, I mean, I've been going to Browns games for as long as I can remember the amount of things that are going on and you have all these 300 pound world-class athletes running after you, everyone going in different directions. I don't even know how you see. Like, <laughs> So can you yeah. say, what, what do you mean by, you said with my eyes closed, that was a pretty profound statement. Can you elaborate on yeah, that? Yeah, that's another great question. So, um, you know, what I think separated my career as well from, you know, why I was so successful in college and not really so successful in the NFL was just the amount of reps. I mean, there's there's so many guys on a college football team, so a lot of people can get reps. When you go to the NFL, it's like that that number is cut in half. So you're not getting as many reps. Really the only start the starting players are the only ones who the starters are the only ones who get reps in the NFL. So um that's obviously hindering towards other players who are not the starters. And when you're called upon, you just have to freaking play and basically play with these guys who you've never really had any chemistry or connections with. In college, you're getting, especially as a starter, rep after rep after rep after rep. You know, I was in the same offense for four and a half years. I was thrown to the same guys pretty much for four and a half years. And when you've run a play, you know, versus certain coverage over, you know, a hundred times, hundreds of times, 
like it just becomes second nature. You drop back, you know, the footwork, you know, exactly where your receiver is going to be on the field. You know, where the defenders are going to be on the field and you just have the chemistry, you have the faith, you have the confidence, like knowing like, okay, my guy's going to be right here. And yeah, the defender's there, but if I throw the ball just a little bit over this way, I know my receiver is going to run there. And it was, it was just the, the difference was just the chemistry with the guys in the system um, confidence in yourself as well. When, when you're in a system that you've only been in there for one year um, with guys that you're not familiar with throwing to, I mean, that's the same thing as like me as a true freshman in Michigan state, you know, if I were to be thrown out there and, and played, you know, right away, probably wouldn't have done very well. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about earlier, um, with being the only quarterback in NFL history where their first start was in a playoff game, that you were put in a position where you had to do that. So I know there are a lot of things that happened that led to you being in the position where you were the starter and that quarterback, uh, where you were the starting quarterback mm-hmm. for the playoff game. Um, do you want to just recount uh, the events that led to you being in that position and all the, the crazy probably week and a half that you had? Yeah, the week and a half long career. <laughs> um, you know, Derek got hurt second last game against the Colts, I think. Uh, the, the next week was the last game of the season. McGloin started, he got hurt. I went in, I showed some glimpses of, you know, some positive plays, um, obviously some negative plays in there too, but, um, enough to give the coaching staff some confidence in me to ride with me going into uh, the playoff game and, you know, the playoff game, it, it was, you know, tough sledding and, you know, it's, it's, it just seemed like nothing really went right from the start. You know, it's like anytime I had like an open receiver, I would miss them. Or anytime my receiver was open, they would drop it or we couldn't run the ball or, you know, I would drop back and it'd be like a second and long situation and I would take a sack and then it would be third and long and we'd be out of field goal range and then we'd have to punt. And it was like the perfect storm basically to just not perform well. And, you know, obviously it's, you know, big regret on my part. I mean, I did everything that I possibly could to, to be the best quarterback that I could be. I mean, I think that's a, so it's, it's such crazy, you know, like besides obviously Johnny Manziel who came out and said, I didn't watch film, you know, you guys probably saw the Johnny Manziel thing on, on, um, yes, the, on Netflix what would, yep. uh, untold or something where it was 0.0 and he wasn't watching tape. Like every other quarterback in the NFL is watching tape. Every other quarterback is, is putting in the hours, putting in the time, you know, to find that competitive advantage to be great. And, you know, I prepared, you know, how I've always prepared my whole career and um, this wasn't the outcome that I wanted, obviously. I mean, no one goes out there and wants to play bad, no matter what sport, you know, you're in. And, um, you know, you see games like that happen now where, you know, quarterbacks, you know, even super, you know, successful quarterbacks that are future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you know, have a rough half. And it's like, oh, they only have 40 yards passing. What the heck? You know, it just, it happens in the NFL. And, you know, mine just happened to be the first start that I had in a playoff game on the road. Um, you know, I was nervous going into the game as well. I mean, I was nervous for, for every game that I played in. I mean, you go back to Michigan state, I'm a three-year starter and I'm playing against, uh, Eastern Michigan who we end up beating 73 to 10, or I think that was my junior year, but I would get just as nervous playing against uh, a team like Eastern Michigan as I would against Ohio state, as I would against Michigan or anyone. And because I always felt like any time that I felt comfortable, 
then I would go out there and, and play bad. I, I, anytime I was too loose, I would play bad. So if I had the nerves, if I felt nervous, that was normal because then I would go out there and I would, you know, have a normal, you know, consistent game that I was capable of. But yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy, you know, obviously because no quarterbacks ever done it. So people were making a huge deal out of it. And, you know, I just tried to put the blinders on and just treat it like any other game, but unfortunate the way that it had to, had to go. Connor, I heard you mention, you said it wasn't the outcome that you wanted, but you did put in a ton of preparation, but how do you come back from that? How how are you able to still have a hunger for more and still be like, okay, I might not have had the game that I wanted. All the media's eyes were on me. It may be negative comments, whatever the case may be, but I know I'm still Connor Cook, but how did you, you know, navigate that, that area or, or time in your life? Yeah, it's um, another good question. You just, you kind of just revert back to what got you to that point. I mean, there was times when I, when I was in college where you have a, a really bad practice and you go out and you, you bounce back the next practice when you're competing for a job. Um, you have a bad game, you come back the next week and have a really, really good game. And, um, you know, when, when I was a professional and you have a bad game like that and you bounce back and, you know, unfortunately I never got another shot in a game after that. That was the last time I played in a game and, um, was just really competing to, to make the teams after that. So, um, you, you really just stick to what got you there. You know, you're, you know, you're a confident player. You're, you know, uh, you're gritty, you know, you're always got to, you always got to be persistent, especially as a quarterback. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a journey. It's a mountain. It, there's ups, there's downs. I mean, no one, not just quarterback. I mean, it's for any position in any sport. Like you're never just winning, 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 and never losing. Like you're always going to experience adversity. So it was just me kind of just reassuring myself, you know, looking back on the positives of my career and saying, you know, look what I was able to do here. And, you know, my first time playing in the, in the NFL was against, you know, the defending Super Bowl champs with the Denver Broncos against a guy like Von Miller and Aqib Tlaib is out there and had some other really good players on the defense. And I was able to throw a touchdown in like two quarters. So you just kind of tell yourself stuff like that and any like positive reinforcements. Cause I've always been a, a, uh, a, a positive reinforcement kind of guy, like, you know, man, manifesting, you know, speaking to yourself, telling yourself certain things to where things just, uh, you know, appear, appear to happen out of nowhere. No doubt. And in your current life, you know, do you feel like you still experience those same types of nerves that you have in the NFL? No way. Let's <laughs> not even compare that. Those, those nerves are long gone. I mean, when you're, you know, obviously you want to do well, you're, you're, you're touching the ball every single play. So pressure's on you to go out there and win the game. And it's a physical game. You don't want to get hurt. That's always in the back of your mind. Not really in the back of your mind, but it is a brutal game. So there's a possible chance of having a serious injury, which obviously gets the nerves going. And, um, you know, it's just your, your jobs on the line. You know, you, you want to go out there and you want to lead your team to victory. You know, if you have a bad game, then people are going to start blaming you and people are going to start saying you need to be benched or this and that. So, um, playing at a high level like that in front of all those fans in the arena, people watching on TV, the pressure of, you know, playing against Michigan, beating your rival, playing against Ohio State, you know, in the Big Ten Championship, you know, for a chance to go to the Rose Bowl. I mean, those those nerves were crazy, insane. But once the game, you know, kicked off and got going, those nerves kind of go away. But yeah, what I'm doing now in real estate and just, you know, 
calling people, talking on the phone, you know, having meetings. There, there's no nerves like that at all. <laughs> those those types of nerves, uh, those types of events, those are not things that happen in in normal life. Uh, a bit ago, JJ Watt had a, a quote. He said that he said the the amount of money that I would have that I would have to have on the line gambling to replace the feeling of getting a sack in a game just doesn't exist. So knowing that that's not necessarily something that you can get in normal life, and I mean you might get used to the uh, like that adrenaline, the competition. Is that something that you um, learn to live without, or is that something that you have to have to replace as you transition out of professional football? Um, I'm not like looking for that kind of stress. I mean, cause I would, I feel like I was probably more uptight and more nervous than like the average player. I mean, I would puke before every game. So I thought that was kind of weird, but then I saw that Josh Allen also pukes before every game. So like, you know, maybe he has the same nerves that I did. Um, but I always saw, or I always see these quarterbacks that look so loose and they're laughing and this and that. I mean, I was just straight focused. Like I couldn't laugh or have a good time until the game was over. And we, like, I knew that we won. Then it was like, okay, time to take a deep breath, time to move on. Like I was just so locked in and loaded. Cause like I said, like as soon as I felt comfortable or as soon as I like, you know, laughed or did this, I'm like, okay, then like I'm going to have a bad play or I'm going to, you know, make some, bonehead move to have us lose the game so th- those nerves you know were it was fun you know while it lasted but i mean it's not like i'm out there like oh i need to go skydiving to get the same adrenaline that i had you know playing football and you know i i enjoy life you know i'm married i have two two daughters another girl on the way i mean the amount of time and like the amount of fun and everything that i'm doing with my own family that i've been able to create is, you know, totally filling the, you know, adrenaline rush that I had playing sports, you know, looking back, it was awesome. You know, love my time, Michigan state, love my time in the NFL, but you know, it's not like I, you know, could never give it up and I have to go do something to replace it, you know, but that, that's a great question. I, I didn't hear the thing about, uh, JJ Watt saying that that's pretty wild. Yeah. I think it was on uh one of those, uh, hard knocks or maybe it was just mic'd yeah. up. Um, yeah. And congrats on, uh, Having a having a third one on the way. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah thank you. super cool to hear. And no, it, it's really cool. Um, as uh, as the both of you know, I'm uh, a psychology master student right now, and something that I'm picking up on is that um, us psychologists love to study experts, and only two percent of high school students make it. Of high school football players play Division One football, and about one and a half percent of those Division One players get a chance to play um professionally so even how how difficult it is to do that and knowing that you did that and all the things that you overcame could you walk us through the decision to um pursue other opportunities after and transition from out, out of pro football right um so after the nfl um i got released by the lions in like 2019 like right before training camp is like the worst time to get released because at that point pretty much every team has the roster set, especially quarterback wise, like no quarterback is getting signed right before training camp. And he's going to go in and learn that, learn that system. Usually the quarterbacks are there for the spring um, to give them the whole, you know, OTA, you know, window, mini camp window to really learn that offense. So then you're going into training camp already knowing that offense. So at that point, I'm like, no team is going to, you know, sign me. I couldn't fall back on, on really any relationships that I made throughout, throughout my short career in the NFL. Cause 
a lot of the coaches uh, were out of out of the NFL and not coaching. Um, so I didn't end up getting signed, which is probably, I mean, what I envisioned. So I wasn't on a team and the XFL, you know, comes out and like, oh, we're going to have an XFL season. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And I was like, Hey, why don't I go, you know, turn it loose, cut it loose, play, play in the XFL and, you know, restart my career and, you know, do well there. Maybe I can get a shot back in the NFL. So I was uh, picked like first overall or second overall or something in the XFL draft by the Houston Roughnecks and never got a chance to play there because PJ Walker was a quarterback and he was assigned assigned to the team. So um, we had five, we played five games. It was a 10, 10 week, 10 game season and five weeks in, we were undefeated. We had a great team, you know, loved everyone on that team, loved all the coaches. Um, we were the best team in the XFL and looked like we were going to go on to, to potentially win the XFL championship. And Boom, COVID hits. So then at that point, uh, me and my wife, we just got married. We didn't have a house because we didn't know where my career was going to take me. So it was kind of just like living in like city to city to city, you know. And then once we kind of knew what like the end game was going to be, end result, then we would maybe, you know, settle down, buy a house. But at this point, it was just kind of like, let's ride this football wave as long as possible and let's see where I can go and how long I can make it. So COVID hit. We go back home. We're like living at my mom and dad's like basement. <laughs> we're married. Um, then we find out she's pregnant. And, you know, I was going to go play up in Canada with the Toronto Argos because they had my rights. And there's like a certain thing that works out with the CFL. They, I, I don't really know how it works, but they have certain players' rights. And instead of it like having a draft, you were like assigned to go play with them, kind of like how. With the XFL, like certain quarterbacks were assigned to each team in that in that manner. So I was going to go play up in Canada. And luckily, Toronto is like four hours away from Cleveland, so it wasn't that far. I was having meetings with, with the coaches via Zoom, learning the playbook, learning the offense. And then they come out and say that they're not having a season. So at that point, I'm like, okay, you know, no one knows how long this COVID thing is going to last. You know, I, I'm not going to go play up in Canada because they just said they're not going to have a season and I'm probably not going to get a call from an, an NFL team. My wife is pregnant. We don't have a house. You know, I had enough money saved up to where we could go buy a house and start our life, you know, post football. And I was just at a point in my career too, where it was like, okay, you know, I was fighting, trying to make a team in the NFL. Then I go to the XFL and I, and I, and I don't play. Then I was going to go play in the CFL and then they don't have a season. Like, I was just like pretty drained from the whole just uncertainty moving around here, there, like just, I just wanted, I wanted certainty and I wanted like a, just a, a, a foundation of like where I know that I will be, you know, for a certain amount of time. Not like, okay, well, I'm just signed with this team and who knows how long I could be here a week. I could be here two days. I could be here for the rest of the season. So I was just at a point in my career where I'm like, okay, let's just go get a house let's lay our roots down here in Cleveland where we grew up, where we have family, where we have friends, you know, a, a place that we call home that we've called home for so long, a place that we love and, um, get into something that isn't football. And I was, I was totally cool with it. It was a perfect time and life honestly could not be better now with, with work, with family and, um, just life in general. Connor, what was that like your first day in the office? Did you have like any imposter syndrome or, or are you kind of just fine with it? I like took my phone and like chucked it across the room and like nailed someone in the face, <laughs> <laughs> dropping back, being a quarterback. 
Not really because, so before I joined Marcus and Millchap, I was with another commercial real estate group and it was still kind of in COVID. So I was working from home and I was just making calls all day and like setting up meetings. So I was, I was not really in an office. The really first time that I was in an office culture was here at Marcus and Millchap, which was like a year, maybe like a year and a half ago. But um, no, it's kind of like a locker room, you know? just uh, in the bullpen over here. And I'm actually at work right now. Um, you know, they just got a bunch of cubicles set up. People are just ripping calls left and right, feeding off each other. Just who can make them, who can make the most calls a day? I'm going to try and get a hundred. And you know, how many deals can we close? Like that kind of thing. So um, the office has a little sense of like a locker, not, not so much locker room talk. Obviously we all know how locker room talk can probably go, <laughs> but, um, but no, it's, there's some similarities for sure. Connor, something that we always like to ask our guests at the end, towards the end of the conversations, what's your definition for being a craftsman? And if you have any final advice on becoming one, what what would that be? So my mom always told me growing up, like, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And it was just practice, 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 practice. I mean, it's the work you put in um, when no one's watching, you know, looking back at, at you know, like a, a football season, a basketball season, whatever it is where you're competing, you know, in a game golf, you know, people look at the golf season, people look at the football season, people look at the basketball season. That's like 10% of what you're actually doing. Your body of work, it's like 90% process. You know, people see the season, you know, people see the golf matches, people see the games. That's like, that's 10%. The result is 10%. So it is the practicing. It is the repetitions. It is, you know, doing something over and over and over and over and over again until you become an expert at it. And um, one of the coaches I had uh, during my professional career, John Gruden, um, said that he was at a golf course. This is like before Tiger Woods was ever Tiger Woods. He was at a golf course somewhere in Florida, and he saw this young guy out there, like it's getting dark and started to pour rain. And this kid was out there just hitting like ball after ball after ball. And it's like getting like pitch dark and it's pouring rain and raining even harder and harder and harder. And it was Tiger Woods out there at, at, a, at a golf course, putting in the time, putting in the effort. Um, and it's just like that. That's how you become a craftsman. And um, any advice I would give, kind of like what I just said, you just work at something, you practice it early in the morning, late at night you know, visualize it in your mind, um, you know, talk to yourself about it, manifest it, speak it into existence. I mean, that was another thing too. I, I don't think I've ever told anyone this, um, maybe just a couple of my friends in Michigan state, but like, I would like talk to myself every single week. I would literally say, I will lead the Spartans of victory versus Wolverines. I will lead the Spartans of victory versus whoever we're playing that week. I would just like literally just over and over and over again, just say that. And, you know, looking at my career, three games or three seasons at home, lost one game and uh, lost, you know, four other games over the span of three years. So just uh, any anything that you can do to just get it in your mind. And uh, so you can't get it out of your mind, really. This was a was a pleasure. So thank you again for 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 taking your time out of your schedule. Uh, Really cool for us to have this conversation with you. Jay, you want to close us out? Yeah, I'll um, I'll let Connor close us out. Go to the craftsman out. Thank you for listening. We hope you are able to reflect and apply the wisdom that resonates. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Code of the Craftsman. 
Stay tuned for more content, special guests, and gems you can only get on Code of the Craftsman.